0: Today's podcast is a continuation of my conversation with Bonnie Way of the koalamom.com. And last time Bonnie and I were talking about attachment parenting and developing a close family. Today we're going to continue our conversation beginning with the home stretch. Welcome to Canada Homeschools, the dose of inspiration and encouragement for Canadian homeschoolers. Canada Homeschools features interviews with homeschool group organizers, resource suppliers, and conversations with everyday homeschoolers just like you, all from a Canadian perspective. I'm your host, Rowan Atkinson. I'd like to thank you for joining me. Now, let's get started. (laughs) In 400 meters
1: In 100 meters
0: We're going to go into the homestretch now, Bonnie. And these are questions that I ask everyone that I interview, if it applies, if it's a homeschooling okay. parent. <laughs> yeah. And so this is a homestretch. What has been your worst homeschool moment? I can't really think of a
1: worst homeschool moment. And I don't think there's been anything super terrible. I would probably say, one of my faults is yelling at my kids and i'm really not proud of that but yeah you know i've i've often heard moms say i'm not patient enough to homeschool and i always think nope i'm not patient enough to do it either <laughs> me neither me neither um but yeah there's more to it than that so yeah you know there are times occasionally when i get a little bit frustrated at one of the kids you know, we're maybe frustrated at a younger sibling for interrupting something that I'm trying to do with an older sibling, you know, trying to help somebody with learn multiplication while a younger sibling is who knows what, you know, beating up his other younger sibling and (laughs) stuff is going on. So yeah, just probably little moments of impatience where, you know, I should be more gentle and take a moment before answering a question instead of snapping at them. And yeah, that's, that's just a constant working at at getting better and yeah, always reminding myself gotta, gotta be patient
0: and tomorrow's a new day and we'll just yeah keep learning and and growing and moving on. Yes, I, I think that almost every homeschool mom would list that or something similar as their worst moment. I know I know that I would. I just thought of a question that isn't on your paper. And um, that is mm-hmm. since you since you were homeschooled for most of your Education at home. What did you Mm -hmm. think you might do differently than how you were homeschooled, and what did you really want to do the same? Hmm. That one for me comes down to actually extracurricular activities. So, as a homeschooler,
1: my brothers and I were very isolated. We lived 10 minutes out of town on an acreage, and My dad told my mom when we started homeschooling that she wasn't going to be a taxi mom. And she took that seriously and she was not a taxi mom. And we went almost nowhere. So there was a local homeschool organization actually at the time and a group of other homeschoolers. And they did sports and stuff like that together. And I actually didn't realize that until after I had graduated. Because my dad got mad at the homeschool association early on in our homeschool years he well, he offered to get involved. My parents were good at volunteering and helping out and so dad offered to get involved and he, wanted, he said he would do the accounting for the group and they wanted him to use a ledger sheet like a book and write it out by hand and he said no he would do it on the computer using the accounting program and they said no and he said bye and walked away and that was the end of our involvement with the homeschool group. So I had two good friends for my homeschooling career. One um, lived down the block or just around the block from us yeah, about a city block, I guess, probably about half a mile away. And that was my mom's good friend, the one who had inspired her to homeschool. And so she often called up her friend on the phone and we joked that was the parent-teacher conferences. It was mom on the phone with Mrs. L chatting about homeschooling and who was learning what and who wasn't learning what. and (laughs) And my other friend lived down the road about three quarters of a mile away. And so we often played together. And that was The rule in the house was that if we were done school by two o'clock, we could call our friends and go play. And so we were usually done school by two o'clock and then out of the house with our friends. The problem with that was that they were great friends. They were really close. But um, when I was 16, my friends around the block moved away to Colorado. And my friends down the road got really busy with high school. And I basically had no friends for high school for the last couple of years that I was homeschooling. And by that point, I was driving myself to babysitting jobs and driving myself to my music lessons, but that was basically all that we were involved with. My brothers and I never did any sports. We didn't do 4-H. We didn't even do the youth group at our church. We just homeschooled. And so when my husband and I started homeschooling, we both agreed that we wanted our kids to have more opportunities than that. We wanted them to have the chances to make good friends. And that's been something we've talked about quite frequently is, How do we help them to develop community and to make good relationships and to find friends and to have new opportunities? And so, and that's, as any homeschool mom knows, that's a bit of a balancing act because I have this year four girls in school and I can't be driving them four different directions to do four different activities. And so there's been years when we've jumped into more things and then had to pull back a little bit and say, no, that's not working. Um, There was a time when we first moved here, my oldest daughter was doing Highland dancing. And it was eight blocks away, but she was under 10 at the time. And the Highland dancing was at the exact same time that we had dinner. And so I would make dinner and then I would walk her to her class, walk back home again, feed the other kids dinner, walk back and pick her up and then walk home to feed her dinner. And after I think about a year or two of this, I said, this is not working. She's... I don't think she's doing as much as she should be. If she wants to keep doing Highland dancing, she should be doing this twice a week, which would really interrupt our family time and my dinner making attempts. And I don't see her practicing. I'm I'm, I'm having to remind her to practice. And so that was an activity that we cut out because it was something that just she was doing and it was at a bad time and it wasn't working for us. And you know, we've tried other activities. We, a few years ago, we convinced our girls to go try out for rugby and they were all like, oh, we don't want to play rugby. We don't want to do it. And we were like, well, daddy likes it. So just go try it. And turns out they fell in love with it. And so this year I have four girls doing rugby and we really like rugby because it's all of them at the same time, at the same place, going to play a sport together. The older two girls are in the same group of kids running around the field. And my younger two girls are in the same group of kids running around the field together. So that's been a good sport for us Because it's something that they can all go do together, even though they're so far apart in age. And so it's just, yeah, trying different things, I guess, and finding what works for your kids. And yeah, sometimes it's changing things and assessing what works. Um, But that has been, I think, the big difference from my homeschool experience to what we've tried to do with our kids. is just finding opportunities for them to try new things and to make new friends.
0: Yeah, that's that's lonely, and there are times and seasons, too, like you said, you had those good friends, but then they moved away, so that must have left you feeling very bereft. My son has been blessed with having tons mm. of other homeschool friends, and in youth group, and in church, and also homeschooling, so flexible schedule. But my daughters never seemed to have very good success, even if they had friends in homeschool group, then their parents would send them to high school and ours were still being homeschooled. So then we had to try to find Mm -hmm. another homeschool group that had high schoolers. And it was just sometimes it was hard. I mean, I have three girls. They're not far apart in age. So they did have each other. They weren't just only two. I know that they had some Mm -hmm. tough times with their friends as well. And then- Um, Recently, my son's most of his friends moved away as well. And so that's been hard on him. Yeah, I have him at a Christian high school right now. He's in grade 12 and he's doing well and he has lots of friends there. Mm -hmm. And that's one reason I actually did that was... because they homeschooled their yeah. daughters until the end of grade 11. And then for grade 12, they either did online or whatever to get their diplomas and um, depending on the girl, but but my son, I just didn't feel that I needed to homeschool him. We live out in the country just alone. And then I do have to earn some income. Mm-hmm. So just you know, basically having him by himself, I knew that that would just be very depressing for him. So- yeah, so we have him in the Christian school. I'm on the school yeah. board. I volunteer there. I'm very involved, and he's definitely getting the same worldview that I would be teaching him with. But, um, but for him, for that reason, it's mm-hmm. been good to have him, have him where he is, and not just home by himself with mom, kind of in and out. So, yeah, it can be tough. It can be tough.
1: Right. Yeah. And that's, you know, my husband and I keep talking about that, the right choice for the right child in the right year. And so, yeah, for him for this year, that was the right choice. And yeah, you know, like I said, for our oldest daughter for kindergarten, she was in as uh, public school or Catholic school then. So yeah, it's, it, sometimes you make changes for different reasons.
0: Yeah, because really, it's parenting. And if you're a Christian, it's parenting and discipleship. Mm-hmm. It's not really necessarily that Mm -hmm. it has to be done in this way or that way. Homeschooling is a super great way to do those things. But really we're called to parent, we're called to disciple. So I guess, you know, it can it can take different forms depending on what the kids need and what you as parents decide to do at the time, what you think is best.
1: Yeah. And I think you mentioned that you're still super involved in his education. And so I think that's important is that you didn't just say, oh bye, go to school, have fun right? It's, you're still involved and you're still part of it with him. And so, you know, maybe that's, you know, part of your homeschooling mentality is that you're going to be there going through it with him and helping him and he knows you're there. So.
0: Yeah. And in some ways, in some ways we're closer, like, I'm not saying, oh, send your kid to a private school so you can be closer. I don't mean that. But oftentimes when they're teenagers, if most of your interactions are making them do their schoolwork, you know, it's nice to have a relationship <laughs> that doesn't involve yes. that. <laughs> yeah. If you know what I'm saying. Now yeah. we can, now we can so, yeah. have fun yeah, together. You, we've had
1: a little yeah. bit of that too. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, the change that we made this year is we're doing a blended school program, homeschool program. So two days a week, my older three girls are in a classroom with other homeschool kids and three days a week, they're here at home. Um, So it's, you know, sometimes called a co-op or a hybrid or blended school. There's different names for it. Um, We've talked about it before. And this year we jumped in and decided to try it. Um, And it's, it's so far, it's been really good. And yeah, kind of one of my reasons was I wanted them to have, you know, the chance to make new friends. And another reason was my oldest daughter, yeah, fights back a lot. She's like, oh, do I have to do this? You know, I'll tell her, this is the assignment for today. And she's like, can I just do half of it? Or is this good enough? Or do I, and and like you said, it's a little bit of a power struggle sometimes. And so I wanted her to have the experience of a different teacher telling her you have to do this and holding up the expectations because I'm not expecting her to give that teacher the same flack that she gives me.
0: No, and it's or amazing I want the how her to they come back don't
1: at her and, and not tolerate it, right <laughs> so,
0: so true yeah
1: there's, there's that experience for them, too, I guess
0: yeah, and for our son too, his dad is his pastor and his youth pastor, and his mom is his homeschooling mom, so it's been really great him to have other men that are examples in his life and like his worldview teacher and his bible teacher have really impacted him in ways that when we were always it was always us and (laughs) just us kind of uh gets tuned out a little bit or just seems so same old same old normal and he could hear it with some fresh ears from some fresh voices so that's been really good in his life too yeah, but I would say we're just as close. Yeah, right? yeah, I agree
1: with that. You know, It's not just helping our find.
0: Go sorry, ahead. We're talking over each other. No, it's because um, of our internet. Yes, I would
1: agree with that, but it's not, yeah, the connection. Um, it's important not just to help our kids develop good friendships with their peers, um, if we can, but also to help them find mentors. Um, so like you said, like he's got good teachers at the school who are mentors for him, you know, as I I can look back on my homeschool life and some women who were in very important mentors for me, you know, and even now with my oldest daughter, you know, thinking about she just recently started babysitting. And I see the woman that she's babysitting for as a sort of mentor figure for her because, you know, they hang out a bit when she's there babysitting. And so I think that's something really special for her. And it's like you said, good to find other adults with whom they can interact who have a similar worldview and kind of back up what we're teaching them. But do it in a fresh new way that maybe they're willing to listen to when they wouldn't listen to it from us. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. And especially that's, especially as they get older, right? Too. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So what has been your best homeschool moment?
1: Again, it's hard to pin down one moment. I think, you know, there's, the highlights of seeing your child actually learn something when they get it. Like when I'm marking, you know, my daughter is my older daughter's math. They're in grade six and seven and they, they had to catch up on some math this year, but now I'm seeing some things start to come together. And so when they get like almost all the questions, right. And it's like, yeah, they did it. Or my third daughter was struggling with reading earlier this year. And so I spent oh, so many hours stressing over that and talking to friends and researching curriculum and trying to figure out what should I do with her and switching curriculum. And now to see her sitting down and reading a book like a, a little novel from the library all by herself. And so that's, that's a really big win. That's a, a really cool moment as a homeschooler to see them succeeding and just getting something and, and learning something new is it's really cool.
0: Yes. I love to see my kids reading too. And they also soon learned that if they were reading, they could actually get away with a bit longer recesses or things like that because it was educational what they were doing. And because (laughs) mom's a bookworm and mom's a bookworm and a writer. So if they're writing or reading, they're probably going to get away with it even longer. So. Even staying up later if they were reading. So (laughs) they're so smart. They know how to work the system. (laughs) Definitely. Our sponsor for today's podcast is the Canadian Online Homeschool Conference. Enjoy amazing speakers that will help you in the areas that you need most from the comfort of your own home. To enroll, go to com slash resources, the show notes for this episode, or our Facebook page at Canadian A Educational. And now, back to our program. So if you could go back and do things differently, what would you change in your homeschool? Anything? I think for me it would be to stay the course
1: a bit longer. So I think as homeschool parents, sometimes it's easy to get excited about something new or something different. Like I'm always talking to my friends about what curriculum they're using. And I follow a lot of other bloggers. So I see, you know, different new things that are coming out. And, and as a blogger myself, I'm constantly getting pitched new curriculum and new programs and new things for the kids to try. And, and sometimes I get excited and say, Hey, yeah, let's do this. And the kids are totally not on board with it. And then I've, you know, realized partway through the year that, okay, we, we tried this thing and it's not working and now we're kind of off track and we have to like get back on track. And so, you know, over the last few years I've kind of realized, you know, we have a core set of curriculum that works to us, that works for us. And our year generally goes better if I, if I stick to that, that core curriculum and and stay away from the shiny new things that attract my attention. And I have sometimes changed curriculum. Like I said, I just changed my daughter's reading curriculum this year, and that was a good thing. But that was after a lot of very serious thought and a lot of research. And yeah, I guess, you know, what I've learned or what I would do different is that if if I am going to change something, it needs to be a very careful, deliberate change for a very definite reason, and not just because I see this cool new thing that... (laughs) Seems really fun and interesting, and then I find out a couple of weeks later that yeah, it's just not working for us, and, and it, it wasn't part of the plan, and I should have stuck to the plan.
0: Yes, we can easily get shiny object yeah. syndrome. I think they call that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And that can happen in business and in life in general as well. What does homeschooling look like for you in the summer? So in the summer, we honestly take the summer off. My husband was
1: really interested in the idea of year-round homeschooling. I remember, you know, the first few years that we were homeschooling, he was kind of pushing this idea that, oh, they should keep learning through the summer so they don't get this, this summer slump or whatever, you know, and I tried it a little bit and I've just come to realize by June, the kids are done and I'm done and they can't wait. They're like, when, when are we done school? When, when can we finish? When can we be done? And, you know, I usually try to hold out until at least we finished our curriculum objectives for the end of the year, right? Like, okay, you have to finish your math program, and then you're done. So maybe math takes us to the end of June, and, and then you're done. And, and maybe writing is done earlier than that. But let's at least finish the curriculum. And, yeah, we we pretty much do nothing for July and August. And I often think, oh, we'll do something over the summer, right? Maybe we'll do this, this little art class or, you know, this, this summer I was thinking, oh, I'll, I'll read more with my daughter. I'll get her caught up on her reading over the summer. And, nope, we didn't do that. We just take the summer off and do fun things. They read tons and tons of books and play outside lots and ride their bikes. And I try to catch up on my writing or, you know, we do stuff like that. And so, yeah, that's, that's what works for us is just take the summer off and
0: then we jump in fresh again in September and keep running with it. We did the same. And I just I did need the break for sure. And it was also motivating Mm -hmm. for them to get their work done. Because the sooner they got it Mm -hmm. done, the more they could be outside. We live in the country and they love to run around in the forest and be very active. So and that's also when we put a lot of our sports in like soccer and things like that so that it wasn't in like our busy season so much? When I was a homeschooler, that's what we did too. Um, we were often done our curriculum by
1: the end of April, early May. And so when I was a homeschool kid, we often had a four month summer, but a lot of that was spent, you know, helping my mom with the garden. Um, we would take in the garden in September and help her with all the canning. And so we wouldn't even start school until the end of September, early October. And we spent the summer running around with our friends and, and doing all that. And so, yeah, I think that's that's important just to have that. I think learning happens even then in the break, you know, kids are exploring and doing other things. Like I said, mine are reading big books probably. Um, But yeah, I think we all need that break and and a chance to come back again and get started something new.
0: And where you live out in British Columbia, the weather is not so bad year round, but where I live in, in central Ontario, our summers are very (laughs) short. So we need to Mm -hmm. make the most of them. Yes. Otherwise it's cold. (laughs) (laughs) I grew up in Alberta. So I remember that. Yes. Yes. Well, Alberta has extremes of temperature for sure. We have more like four seasons, which is very beautiful. I love it. Mm -hmm. But we want to make the most of the summer for sure. What is one resource you would recommend and why? And you do you do reviews of curriculum on your website. So it's probably hard for you to narrow it down.
1: Yeah, I do have a lot of reviews and some things we've used lots and some things, you know, we used them for, you know, the length of the course and then we gave them up. So I'll mention two things quick. One is the Starfall app for my preschoolers. They've all loved that. And there's a free version of the app that you can get. um, and And there's a paid version that opens up just more songs and activities and stuff like that. It's for kids, I think, preschool up to grade three. All my kids love it. There's a ton of activities in there. I have my five-year-old yelling questions at me like, Mom, what's this times this? Because she's playing some game that <laughs> requires multiplication and she wants to know it. And um, So that one's been really popular. That's something we've used for years and years and years. And then the other resource that I would mention is one that I've never gotten around to reviewing on my blog, and that is Saxon math. I mentioned it, I don't hear it talked about a lot in homeschool circles, actually. I used Saxon math as a homeschooler myself. I, we started with a different math curriculum, and then around grade three or four, I was really struggling with long division. And mom would have to, every single day, explain long division to me. And we were both getting really frustrated with this. And then a friend of hers, her good friend Mrs. L, recommended switching curriculum at that point. And so we switched to Saxon math and used that all the way through grade 12. And math was not my favorite subject through um, school, but I did recognize that I could do it well. And I went on, you know, to university and, and finished university and all the rest. And then when I was ordering books for my daughter's grade one year, I was on, you know, a curriculum website ordering the rest of our books. And I hadn't even thought about using Saxon math until I saw it on the website. And then there was just something where I was like, Oh yeah, Saxon, I'll do that with her. And, and so I ordered it and we started it. And I now I've, I now have I think eight years worth of Saxon math in my house. We have the kindergarten all the way through to grade seven. And I really like the way the program works. I can see, especially because I have kids in different grades, I can see how what they teach in grade one is built upon, or is it, heading towards what they're learning in grade two and what they're learning in grade two is heading towards what they're learning in higher grades. So Saxon is very methodical and very um, circular. So they teach something and then teach something else and teach something else and come back to the first thing. And so there's a lot of review built in and a lot of, you know, keep on, circling back to things and to relating concepts. Um, they use a lot of money, like dimes to teach counting by tens and nickels to teach counting by fives and, and things like that, where the kids like my kids love counting money. I pull out the, like I have a little coin purse for math and they're always trying to convince me to let them take the coins. And I'm no, nope, that's the math coin purse. And, but I pull out the math, the math coins and they're all attention. Right. And so I feel like Saxon just has a very solid way of relating things that the kids like to do. and, just catch on quickly too. And then using that to teach other concepts. And so, yeah, that's my, that's, that's something that has worked for us. We've tried other math curriculums, um, because my daughters don't like math any more than I do. Um, But we've come back to math. And again, like I said, this year, I have my older two are doing grade six and seven, they're both doing sex and math. And I've seen them really doing better this year with math. Um, and they have in other years we've had, yeah, some up and down years, but overall I, I wish I had stuck to it all the way through and not spent a year switching curriculums and trying to find other things because although I guess switching curriculums did show me that there's, there's a reason why I like Saxon math because the other curriculums that we tried just, yeah, they, they didn't seem to have the same methodical way of teaching that I see in Saxon math.
0: We use Saxon math too, most, especially, um, like grade, say, six and up, especially. It was actually developed. One of the developers is a homeschool dad, actually. I don't know if you knew that. Okay. Yeah. Maybe. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's neat. Yeah. One of the things I liked about Saxon is that on the tests for each question, they would put the number of the lesson where that concept was found. So if our kids didn't get a question right it was easy to go back and look at the lesson and get like reinstructed on that particular concept. It was yes. just a really handy reference. Another thing we did that the kids really loved is you talked about that review and that circling back and that is super important with math. But at the same time, if they super get it too, then <laughs> they don't necessarily need to do the review. So I would run them through the tests at the beginning. And if they scored super high on the tests, I wouldn't make them do all the lessons. They would just have to go back Uh, and do the one lesson on the one question they got wrong until they mastered it. Mm -hmm. So we could take more of a mastery approach with it because it was organized in that way. So that was super helpful. And the kids were so encouraged because so often we get discouraged in our homeschool with what we're not getting done to be able to skip you know, skip 15 lessons. lessons at the beginning makes them feel really happy and like, I can do this. And then that leaves yeah. a little more flexible time for when the lessons get harder and motivation gets <laughs> worse and that kind of thing. But yeah, we use Saxon yeah. Yeah, math for, sure. for years. I think we don't hear about it much because it's, it's not cool and new and, <laughs> you know, <laughs> online necessarily. Yeah. Or they don't have a
1: blogger review program who's...
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's just super, like, here's your textbook, here's the work, (laughs) right? It's not, you know, funky.
1: But, you know, I have a friend of mine who, she also tried other math programs and then came back to, not Saxon, but a similar program, and I guess her kids said that they found some of the other math programs too distracting, and so they preferred just the simple question in the workbook where it's very clear this is what we're doing. And you know, something else that I hear a lot from homeschooled moms is, well, what if I what if I can't teach that? What if I don't know that? And so now that my daughters are in grade six and seven, like you said, like they'll come and ask me for help and I'll look at this and I'm like, I know I can't remember how to multiply fractions. But right here underneath the problem number, it says what number the lesson is. So let's flip back and read the lesson together. <laughs> and and I work through it with them. And so yeah, I really feel like they make it easy both for the parents and for the students. And yeah, I can no, I can't remember how to do that. It's been 20 so years since I did this same problem in the same textbook, but (laughs) I can help you relearn how to do this because it's right there.
0: Yeah. And you can get teaching um, CD-ROMs and things like that now that you couldn't, like a long time ago, but now you can get dive CDs or or, uh, teaching for some of the higher grades, like maybe high school algebra, it might be. Kind of nice, or if you're multitasking many ages, or whatever, or if you have to bring home some bacon while you're homeschooling, it's nice to have. Nice to have that option. But they yeah, I've they, seen those. We haven't tried them yet. Um, so far, that they seem to be doing
1: fine. Yeah, they read the lesson and they do the problems. Um, I know that you know sometimes kids learn differently. Like if they hear something, they remember it better than if they just see it in the book, or you know if it's demonstrated for them. Um, I know there's somebody, there's a YouTuber who basically goes through math lessons via video, Saxon math via video, Nicole, the math lady. Um, And so some kids, you know, to have it, I guess, laid out in front of them in that way, that's, that's helpful. And so I've considered those resources, but so far using the textbooks is working for us. So we keep doing that.
0: Yeah. If you don't, if it's working for you, you don't need to change it. Yeah. What advice would you give someone just starting out? starting to homeschool? I think I would say give it time. Um, Even for me, like I I
1: grew up homeschooled and so I knew what to expect as a homeschooler. I had, you know, this picture in my mind of what homeschooling looks like and I had friends who were homeschoolers and friends who had recommended curriculum and so I kind of knew how the day was going to go but even I remember feeling like my second year of homeschooling was so much better than my first year, right? Like the second year, we just, we had kind of hit a groove and we knew what to do. And, you know, even my daughter was better used to the routines. And I feel like there's little changes every year and little things that I've adjusted. You know, you get to know your kids and what works and what doesn't work. And like I said, sometimes you try new things or you change a curriculum because it's not working. But I really think you need to, yeah, take it, take it slowly and give it time. Like don't just because something's not working because they're not learning how to read, don't feel like you're a failure as a homeschool mom. Maybe it's just, you know, maybe they just need a bit more time or a different curriculum or, you know, a little tweak. Like when we started homeschooling, I was, you know, my idea was let's get math out of the way first. Cause that's the biggest, hardest subject. So I would get up and I'd be like, okay, let's start with math. And my girls would whine and complain. And no, they didn't want to start with math and so i i stopped one day and i was like okay we don't have to start with math and so we started with history instead and i said come let's sit down on the couch and read together and they were like yeah let's do that you know and so sometimes it's just yeah taking the time to think about what's working what's not working and reassess but don't don't give up because something doesn't work the first time that you try it or like i said because there's little little things that they're not learning i think yeah homeschooling is really you know you're in it for the long term like give it a good solid year commitment and then you know, give it another year <laughs> I, I don't think you know like don't don't quit something too quickly, I guess, you know, like I said, like don't don't go after the sh- the shiny objects, just give it time and and really think about things carefully before switching. Um,
0: yeah, thank you. if you could leave listeners with one word of encouragement, what would that be other than what you just said? I would say homeschooling is awesome,
1: honestly, I love homeschooling my kids I I'm just so grateful that this is what I get to do and I just really enjoy spending the morning together with yeah all four of them and seeing what they're doing and just yeah being able to learn with them and and to be part of their learning and to see like I said those moments when something clicks and they get it and it's just it's super cool that's great
0: thank you all right well (laughs) I want to thank you so much for talking with me on this episode it's been great Happy homeschooling, Canada! Thank you so much for listening. You can find helpful links and show notes for this episode at our website, CanadaHomeschools.com. Please share this podcast with your friends and leave a rating and positive review on your podcast provider. This will help others find their dose of inspiration and encouragement. Happy homeschooling, Canada! E-e-e-e-e <laughs>